We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Spike Week. 2021 best ball analysis best ball show presented by rotogrinders.com i am as usual your host eric Beinfor. we're riding we're riding solo today and to push push this one back a day so the the typical schedule moving forward will be monday wednesday friday for videos for these video podcasts and uh mixing in some written content on tuesdays and thursdays throughout the week yesterday got a little bit crazy with a bunch of different sports and um, I also did a show if you want to check out with Mike Leone from Establish the Run. Um, I did the Establish the Edge podcast with Mike so that can kind of fill in for the Monday Monday show. But today I want to talk a little bit about um, something I've kind of touched on in a couple of other videos and something I touched on with Leone yesterday and, and even some things I've I've kind of tweeted about. But it is kind of this this idea of of downside to players in situations where they're competing for targets and why I actually think these are situations more often than not that we should invest in because that target competition, interestingly enough, presents more upside than I think the field considers. So the first, the biggest point I think probably of all of this is is simply that we're not very good at projecting volume for an entire season for any one individual player. That's funny. No gifts. No gifts for Father's Day. Uh, if you're curious, we're we're not very good at projecting volume for for any one individual player over the course of a now 17 game NFL 
NFL season. We're certainly not very good at projecting that that volume for an entire passing game, even if we think it seems clear cut to start the year. There's so much more uncertainty in how you know the season plays out for all these individual players, but also that their roles, right? So you see CV Lamb on the screen here as kind of this poster boy. And there's there's a bunch of different examples, but the, the Cowboys are kind of an, an easy one to use as an example for these most of these bullet points as it relates to upside. Clearly, this is a, a good passing offense. And I guess I should touch on that really quickly too, that you know, role uncertainty on the Houston Texans is not super valuable because this offense is not going to score a lot of points, right? The Whoever the third wide receiver is for the Raiders, you know, there being uncertainty on how many targets John Brown gets versus Hunter Renfro. It's not that you, it's not that those guys are like undraftable. It's, but it's a very different situation. So that's an assumption that we have to make that there's a certain level, there's a certain bar that we have to reach for an offense to kind of be in, in this discussion. But I think you guys are pretty much aware of that, especially when we start to talk about a team like the Cowboys, where, you know, we have three incredible wide receivers in one of, if not the best passing offense in the NFL, what might be the highest scoring offense in the in the NFL competitive with the chiefs. And, and you're not getting a, you know, a massive discount on say Amari Cooper or CD lamb. But if we knew how these roles would play out, if we knew 100% for certain who was, you know, the one, the two, the three, or are they, are they truly all, you know, all the same? Why is Michael Gallup so much cheaper? Maybe he, maybe he deserves to be, but that uncertainty sure makes Michael Gallup look like a screaming value as potentially a, a three-way split between those those wide receivers. We just don't really know. What if CeeDee Lamb becomes the alpha wide receiver in this offense? We, we, we just don't really know, but we think, you know, we have to project things to a certain extent. But we think, you know, there's this competition, right? Amari and CeeDee should have similar market shares, but we don't really know. And the best example of that that probably has happened was actually last year. And it was Stefan Diggs, right? So Stefan Diggs moves into a Buffalo, moves away from Minnesota into a Buffalo Bills offense that, you know, we don't have um, super high hopes for Josh Allen as a passer, probably. We don't really know what his target share is going to look like. With John Brown, John Brown was there. Cole Beasley was there. They drafted Gabriel Davis, which I'm not sure that anybody quite saw the Gabriel Davis thing coming. But there was there was uncertainty around around Stefan Diggs. But moving to the second bullet point, you see here, what does that do? That kept Stefan Diggs. I don't think anyone is arguing that Stefan Diggs is not good at football, or that he didn't have upside. Especially, you know, the team clearly needed kind of an alpha wide receiver in Buffalo. And so what it did is it kept his draft cost in check, right? This, this target competition, a little bit of, of uncertainty 
around exactly how things would would play out in Buffalo. And you saw Stefan Diggs going in the sixth round last year drafts. He was the wide receiver three overall and clearly was just a dominant fantasy option. So you get these uncertain situations that have upside, whether it be due to some things we'll see here in a second, but whether it be due to the player talent, um, the offense, you know, or just general uncertainty and general variance, which happens a lot more than I think people give it credit for. There's upside to these situations, but the draft cost is kept in check just because it's not, it's not projectable, right? I can project Darren Waller's market share targets, whatever, pretty comfortably because there's a very clear pecking order, both in terms of, you know, where the team has shown that they want to go with the football and talent, (laughs) frankly, and Derek Carr's obsession with checking down. And so I can project that. So his ADP becomes locked in because of this, this projection that is much less fragile and much less uncertain than say CD lamb. CD lamb, you know, isn't a screaming value in drafts. I don't think this year, but there are also paths to him becoming the alpha wide receiver one in the Cowboys, you know, incredibly elite high scoring, high scoring offense. But I would still consider his cost in check as a third, fourth round pick, depending upon where you're drafting and, and such just because we don't, we don't really know, you know, we, we're sort of projecting him to take the leap on the, on the opposite side. We're not projecting Michael Gallup to take any sort of leap, even with that Dak Prescott returning. And so his draft cost is really kept in check. What if Michael there's, you know, typical off season hype, just like there is on every team and almost every player, but Michael Gallup is getting, you know, hyped up by coaches. He's moving into the slot. Some, you know, they're loving how he, how he looks. We know he's a good football player. He's proven that. What if Michael Gallup earns, earns more targets than CD lamb, right? But we think we have this clear pecking order of Cowboys wide receivers, right? Amari and CD are pretty much similar at the top. And then Gallup is this, this number three and really the fourth option in the whole offense. But we don't know that. We think we do. We're just more certain about how these situations will play out than they, they typically are. So it keeps that draft cost in check. But the target competition, not only is it uncertain, like I mentioned with, with Michael Gallup or Stefan Diggs was the best example, surely due to a, a player's talent, right? A player's a player's offense that he's playing in. Most of these guys are good football players that have the upside to earn more targets through being good football players, right? That's the Stefan Diggs example. Stefan Diggs is just an elite wide receiver. Now they, they threw the ball a lot more and Josh Allen was a lot better. Obviously those are, those were, were big factors, but the guy still earned much, much more work and much more production than the sixth round ADP that he saw last year, regardless of some of the, you know, other factors to the situation. And that, that can happen in many of these uncertain, you know, areas of uncertainty. The other one 
to me very clearly is the Bengals. You know, they're they're all going at like that's what we often see, similar to the Cowboys, except Gallup is such an outlier, but we see the Bengals, the Cowboys, the 49ers, where we know that all these guys are good football players. We're excited about these offenses, but we don't just we just don't really know how exactly how the targets are gonna are gonna shake out. And so in best ball drafts, when we know these guys have the upside to earn more targets, again, whether it be due to their talent, right? Jamar Chase is one of the better wide receiver prospects we've seen in a while. If we're bullish on this Bengals offense, what if Jamar Chase becomes the the wider the alpha wide receiver one back with Joe Burrow in one of the best passing offenses in the NFL? Conversely, what if what if T. Higgins does? T. Higgins nearly earned that that role last season. And what if he takes a second year leap and now he's that alpha wide receiver in again one of the better passing offenses in the NFL? He certainly shouldn't be going in the sixth or seventh round if that's if that's the case. But the uncertainty keeps him, keeps him there. Tyler Boyd, his slot receivers are frankly often undervalued in in best ball and fantasy sports in general. What if what if Tyler Boyd is the lead this year, right? Burrow wasn't a particularly great downfield passer. Having Chase and Higgins on the outside, what if that opens things up for Boyd over the middle? What if he's the leading wide receiver going in the seventh or eighth? You know, we just don't know. And all these guys are good football players and good offenses. They have upside to earn more targets. Maybe not like Stefan Diggs, but we see second year leaps, third year leaps, those kinds of things. There's no reason to think that T. Higgins couldn't become the next. These things always happen and they seem like we look back and we're like, oh, yeah, Stefan Diggs, he's an amazing wide receiver. But nobody thought he was going to be this elite, you know, a top two or three wide receiver. Nobody thought that. And so we'll look back like, one of these guys is probably going to pop. Is it T. Higgins? Is it is it C.D. Lamb? Um, I like some other guys. You know, Michael Pittman. The Colts are another situation. Very similar. We really have no idea. I mean, absolutely no idea how targets are going to shake out amongst any Colt, including the running backs, including the tight ends. Right? But what if Michael Pittman takes the second near leap? What if uh, Paris Campbell? comes back from injury and and he becomes the wide receiver one in that offense. What if T.Y. Hilton maintains it now with a quarterback that more suits his needs, right? There's there's just all this uncertainty around so many of these different situations, but the offenses are are quite good and the the talent at uh at receiver, the talent in, in the passing game is good. And so what that also leads to is not only their ability to earn more targets themselves, like through, frankly, being good at the game, what happens if a teammate goes down, right? So if, if we think about the Bengals, the, the Bengals situation, if, if the Bengals had not drafted Jamar Chase or, you know, if Jamar Chase gets hurt, T. Higgins is a top-tier wide receiver. Right? I'm not saying the Devontae Adams of the world, Stefan Diggs of the world, but he's not going in the sixth or seventh round. That's for sure. He's definitely not as as what we would certainly feel more comfortable as the alpha wide receiver one in a, 
a passing offense with Joe Burrow that we're excited about. The 49ers are are like, you know, a team that I'm all in on as an offense this year, but they have this this target competition between Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk. And what if you know, Debo and Kittle have not been able to stay healthy? Frankly, even Ayuk has gotten digged up in his short, his one year short career. What if Debo goes down again? Ayuk is a an elite elite option, even in a little bit more run heavy run heavy offense. Kittle gets hurt every year. We're expecting Kittle, Kittle to to like lead this team in target share. What if he goes down? Those two wide receivers become much much more valuable options with insane upside. You know, same thing. Same thing for the Colts. What if T.Y. Hilton, T.Y. Hilton's getting older? What if he gets hurt? The offense flows through Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, Zach Pascal, you know, pick your poison. Amari? Amari's already hurt. We don't know if, we don't even exactly know how healthy Amari is. If Amari's healthy, if he's going to be healthy. What if Amari's hurt? What if Amari goes into the season hurt and we just don't quite know it? Yeah, CD and Michael Gallup taking on a huge target share in the Cowboys passing offense, clearly undervalued. And so the upside, you know, we're not sitting here predicting injuries, but when we want to win these best ball tournaments, these huge field, right? 150 plus thousand opponents that we have to beat. All these things are little factors into the guys that we should be targeting because it's not just winning a 12 man league. It's not even just like, it's not even winning a 12 man league and then winning one more tournament. It's winning a 12 man league and then winning three more tournaments against thousands of other players. And so we need these kind of like, these things are going to happen. Certain situations that happen every single year without a question that players are going to get hurt and other players are going to benefit. And so we just want to be giving ourselves shots on those situations where we can get this unforeseen outcome happening that we benefit from. And you get, you know, the wide receiver one in the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, whatever round. And so that's, that's the big thing about this is we need to be thinking about those, those payoffs, right? I'm not, you're not even trying to be right all the time. Frankly, you know that you're not going to be right all the time, but getting in, getting, getting your, putting your chips in right on the Dallas Cowboys or the, or I'm, I'm bullish on the Bengals. I'm certainly very, very bullish on the 49ers, getting your chips in on good offenses, on good investments and kind of seeing, seeing where those chips fall by the end of the year can lead to these huge payoffs, right? Maybe the Cowboys just end up having a great passing offense and it supports all these guys anyway. You're fine. You're, you're in good shape. Maybe the 49ers offense is just very good and it supports all these guys anyway. You're in great shape. And then you're just looking for spike weeks, you know, when you need them later in the season. But what happens when the unforeseen happens? What happens when Brandon Ayuk takes the second year leap and he's a truly elite alpha wide receiver, right? Nobody saw Odell Beckham coming out of LSU becoming this superstar wide receiver. So why can't T Higgins?
become a, the, the next superstar wide receiver? Why can't Michael Pittman? Why can't CD Lamb? I'm not projecting it, but it's certainly within the range of outcomes. And they have that upside to earn those targets. And then what happens when one of their teammates goes down? Conversely, you know, what if CD goes down? Amari, Amari Cooper as the alpha wide receiver one in the Cowboys offense without CD Lamb would be pretty valuable. And so that's really all we're trying to do is kind of take advantage of the fact that our opponents are not thinking about the uncertainty and they might be actually thinking about the uncertainty, but they're, they're running away from it. And what we need to do in order to give ourselves the upside possible to win these huge field tournaments, right? I need to beat 200,000 people. Maybe 200,000 people on drafting. So I need these unforeseen events to happen. And I need the unforeseen events to happen. And I need the payoff for me to be huge when it happens, right? The payoff gives me T. Higgins as the wide receiver one in a, a really, really good passing offense. It gives me Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel or Michael Pittman as the alpha wide receiver one in a really good passing offense that my opponents just don't have because before the season started, when they did their projections, they just, you know, peanut butter spread the targets across everybody, or they couldn't quite figure out how it was going to break down. And so that uncertainty kept these situations in check when the payoff was huge, if it ended up hitting for you. And so that's it. That's it for today. If you have any questions, as always, drop it in the comments, either on Rotor Grinders or on YouTube, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Eric Bindfor. And I'll be back. Um, I'm getting an article up a little bit later today, and then I will be back tomorrow with another with another recording, another another video, and then we'll be back again on Friday. Hopefully, Friday I think should be. Um, I'm going to get Jamino back on here with me. So that's it. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later.